This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 303, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, September the 2nd. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans, and this is episode 303. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the week of, or releases from the week of Wednesday, September the 2nd, and I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, this week, we are looking at seven comics that came out last week. Usually, we look at more, but uh, uh, with the Labor Day long weekend and going away and schedules and blah, 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 all that fun stuff, it meant I couldn't, uh, I didn't have as much time to read, and uh, also meant this episode ended up getting recorded later than normal, so not only did I record it late, but I would talk about less, so man, what a bummer this episode will be. <laughs> uh, so let's just jump right in. This week, it was interesting, we have uh, five releases from Marvel that I had a chance to read, one from DC, uh, of all the books I could have read from DC, kind of an odd choice, the one I ended up actually having a chance to read, and then we have one image book that I read, so let's just jump right in, alphabetically. From the top, we've got Age of Apocalypse, issue number three, by uh, Fabian Nicieza, and I believe Gerardo Sandoval, but let me check that, because um, it's definitely very stylized in a Sandoval style, but no, I was wrong, it's not Sandoval at all, it just looks like it. Uh, no, no, it is, I don't know why, the cover says Nicieza, sorry, Nicieza, Coelho, and Curiel, but then the opening page says Gerardo Sandoval artist, Curiel, and colors, so I'm a little unclear as to what's real here but it definitely looks like Sandoval which is why I just immediately assumed it was and I guess it is um I enjoyed this book uh again it's it's a nice play on what you think you know from the age of apocalypse like that we know but it's very similar but at the same time different um I like how the characters are written I like the story that we're we're having kind of told for us um I think NCS is doing a really great job the only thing that doesn't quite jive but at the same time, I can forgive it, is the artwork by Sandoval. Um, it's just, it's almost too um, Joe Maddish. Like, it's, it's got, like, the kind of the Joe Mad qualities of uh, kind of this more of an American manga style, but almost more exaggerated, if that's possible. And it, sometimes it really works, but sometimes it almost becomes too, um, uh, I don't know, like, hyperactive in terms of the way everything looks, and everything's almost too pointy and too angular and a little bit too crazy. Um, I really interested in it at the ending. I thought it was pretty cool. I like how um, Nisiesa was using. Uh, sorry, Nisiesa. I don't know why I keep saying it wrong. Um, I I like how he is writing uh, the cipher character. I like how the Matt Murdock version of uh, In the Age of Apocalypse was utilized here. Um, it's interesting. It's good. I, it's definitely good. I would probably give it a seven out of ten. Uh, I think the artwork detracts from it a little. It's both perfectly appropriate and also just a little too stylized at the same time. Like, it's got that kind of 90s flavor that you want from a series like this, especially called Age of Apocalypse. Like, it definitely evokes a certain mental image, and it does a good job of trying to achieve that, but at times, I found it almost went too far. Uh, next up is Batmite number 4. This book is just an absolute joy. It's totally its own thing. Uh, it's written by Dan Jurgens, artwork by Corin Howell. Um, it's a great kind of Batmite and uh, Booster Gold story. What happens to Booster Gold is actually pretty hilarious. Um, this is probably one of the better issues we've had of the series so far, just because Booster Gold plays well off of Batmite in comparison with some of the uh, more serious characters that they've been playing off. I think having a comedic character or a sometimes comedic character like Booster Gold going up against or teaming up with a Batmite actually really worked to the character's strengths and also to Jurgen's strengths because it's his baby. Uh, so I really, really dug this. It was a lot of fun. 
this the series in general has just been a lot of fun and at times that's what's missing in comics sometimes is this a sense of fun so this isn't afraid to kind of go silly but and have a good time with it so i'm gonna give it an i think a seven and a half out of ten uh no i'm gonna give it an eight why am i being so stingy uh next up we have ooh, talk about uh talk about a big ending uh we got daredevil number 18 the final issue of the mark wade chris Somley run um i'm super sad that's all over because just because it's been so good um brilliantly illustrated by Somni. Um, I like how Mark Wade just kind of knows when to back off and let the art really take take um, you know take center stage. The brutal fight between Daredevil and Kingpin felt very much earned, felt like just really well done. Um, in some ways, I guess, maybe it kind of ties up all loose ends a little quickly, but at the same time, you kind of had to. Uh, there's some really good emotional moments here. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of see what comes next because it doesn't set up the next status quo, which is good in that it ends the story that Mark Wade was telling, and we'll kind of see where they go from there. Um, but, uh, no, I, I really dug this. I don't want to give away too much, but I, I really like the way that Matt, Foggy, and Kirsten have been written in this series. The emotions between the relationship between Matt and Foggy are just extremely accurate to how they would act because they're like these lifelong friends. Seeing the fight between uh, Kingpin and Daredevil looked just brilliant as well. I love the callback to Born Again. Like, I don't know why, but it just it doesn't even make sense, to be honest, because it's not like Daredevil ever said it aloud. It was something he thought. And it was only something that matters to us, the reader. But that being said, it's awesome. So I, I really dug this. A great ending. Uh, as I said, it, maybe it felt a little rushed, like it could have gone a little longer, but it felt great. And... Um, I think if you bring this entire run and you kind of read it from beginning to finish, um, it's just an amazing tour de force. Um, obviously, uh, the last volume started with some great artwork by, um, oh my god, I forget his name, but uh, anyways, there was two great artists, now I'm forgetting one of them, so I'm, I'm totally remiss. I want to say Javier Pulido, but I don't even know if that's correct. Uh, or Pablo Rivera, I, man, what is wrong with me? I can't remember, but uh, then you had also Marcus Martin, and then you had Chris Somley, who became just like, I mean, he was good right from the beginning, but it was hard to even imagine reading this Daredevil book by Mark Wade without him, uh, just because he was just a great illustrator. And I think as they, as their collaboration bore on, I think it, he only got better. And the, the, um, the artistic collaboration between the two creators only got stronger. And that just speaks to the strength of both creators being able to work together and create such an amazing work of art. Nine out of ten. So next up is Future Imperfect number five of Peter David and Greg Land. I definitely dug this. I don't know if I dug it as much as the previous issues, um, just because it bugged me for part of it, but I think that was on purpose, and it led to kind of an interesting ending, which I did like. I just felt like the entire issue, maybe, I feel like this could have been maybe a quarter of an issue and in another issue. Uh, but I guess giving it more kind of space to grow in intensity definitely made it seem more substantial and then the big kind of reveal has more of an impact i guess as a result so i'm torn um it looks good interesting story i kind of wish we'd get to see more what happens with these characters next and we're not it doesn't look like we're going to get that because i believe this is the last issue um also interested how we're going to see another version of maestro later um because i think he's supposed to be in the only marvel now or maybe i'm just wrong um but i don't know i i it was definitely interesting I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, I think, is solid. Maybe 7.5 out of 10. 
Nothing bad so far. Nothing bad this week. Uh, next up is Spider Island number three, which remains just a fantastic, fantastic read. Uh, the main story is by Christos Gage and Paco Diaz uh, as they continue their story of Venom and the uh, kind of altered Avengers that they've been able to free from the Queen's mind control, teaming up with Spider-Man, trying to figure out a way to stop the Queen. Um, Fast-paced, a lot of action, great characterization, and I cannot wait to see what what comes next. Um, I hope we actually do get to see the last stand of the Iron Goblin, because it just was so crazy and cool. Uh, then we have uh, um, another Mayday Parker backup called The Enemy Within by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. And uh, I think I do, I really enjoyed the artwork, except for, and I don't know what it is, I think it's mainly the colors. Something about Mayday in the Spider-Girl, co- sorry, Spider-Woman, co- Spider-Man costume, but now she's Spider-Woman. Something about it just doesn't quite work for me. I don't know why. Uh, although Ron Friends kind of put it well himself in his recent episode that he guested on, where he's talking about how, you know, the, the Ben Riley Spider-Man costume just looks better on a woman, uh, as opposed to the Spider-Man costume. So, um, I like this because as much as it's a Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, whatever you want to call her, Mayday Parker story, it's also an MC2 story, and that's what the part of what I'm enjoying the most is we're seeing, you know, uh, the Red Queen or Hope Pym, which, uh, is cool to kind of see, and... I, I really dug this. Uh, the art, it was mainly just the colors in Spider-Woman. I don't even think it's Ron Friends' fault, because I still think he does a great job on art. So overall, I'm going to give the issue an 8 out of 10. It means a, a solid and enjoyable uh, book with two stories, and I think both stories are very enjoyable, and you get kind of more bang for your buck, even though you're not actually getting that much more bang for your buck at all, but it feels like it because you're getting two separate stories. Uh, next up is Star-Lord and Kitty Pride. This is issue number three. This actually ends its little romp. Tons of fun. Um, it, it's just a great... It's interesting because I've never been a huge fan of Star-Lord since he became Bendicized, which then kind of fit the movie one, um, just because I remember what the character used to be like. But, um, you know, I, I really like the artwork here. I like the implications of with realities and uh, how everything works. And, I, and Drax makes a hilarious appearance here. Um, even the uh, the Thors make a cool appearance too. Really dug this. Great interplay between Kitty Pride and uh, Star Lord, and interested to see kind of what happens next. Like the kind of Casablanca-ish ending. Um, I I actually really dug this. Uh, I'm almost surprised by how much I dug it. Like it's just been such a great read. Artwork by Alti Permencia, and it's written by Sam Humphreys. And last but not least, by any stretch of the imagination, we have We Stand on Guard number three, which is a fantastic read. Really digging this book. Um, Steve Scorche, I don't know how to pronounce that still, and uh, Brian K. Vaughn. It's really good. It's a little slower paced than the previous issue. We're getting a little bit, again, more of these flashbacks that kind of creates the, the, the main character that we're following now, um, which I, I like that we kind of got more of a kind of retrospective. And then there's a lot of time spent on a torture sequence, which is fantastic and really well done, but doesn't add as much to kind of the, the ongoing story. Um, or at least it doesn't feel as such, but it is a really, really good sequence. Uh, excited to kind of see what happens next. It feels like it's going to be ramping up into higher gear. Uh, this issue definitely felt like it took its time more, did some solid characterization, but it was still more of a characterization issue and less of a, a plot issue compared to the last couple of issues. Uh, which makes sense, though, because you kind of want to start on a high note, 
get all this action and intrigue and then you kind of slow it down pull back the curtain a little and that's what we got here uh, looking at some of the comics I did not get a chance to read from this past week but it means that I have a ton of back reading to do uh, we got Barbed Wire 3 uh, Batman Beyond number 4 these are just some highlights DC Comics Bombshells number 2 Detective Comics 44 Green Lantern 44 a new issue of Midnighter, a new issue of Omega Man, the last, I think the last issue of Age of Ultron vs. Marvel Zombies, but I'm not sure. Haven't read it yet, obviously. Um, what else we got? Uh, Groot, Hail Hydra number two, House of M number two, Silver Red issue number one. Uh, Mockingbird Shield 50th Anniversary number one, Silk number seven, new issues of Silver Surface, Squadron Sinister, and Thors. Uh, looking at comics that came out today, uh, which would be September the 9th, some of the highlights include uh what else what, what do we got here action new issues of action comics and batman uh new issue of earth 2 society uh we got a new issue of starfire coming out um there's the harley quinn road trip special uh from idw there's new there's uh, the my little pony omnibus trade paperback volume two um as well as walt disney comics and stories 723 from image there's astronauts in trouble number four bitch planet number five um, we've also got Saga's fifth trade paperback coming out as well. And then over at the Marvel side, we've got 1602 Witch Hunter and Angela number three, new issue of A Force, which is issue number four. Uh, the first Avengers Time Runs Out trade paperback, the last issue of Amazing Spider Man New Year Vows, which is issue number five. A new issue of Civil War, which I'm excited to read, Darth Vader. Um, what we've got Giant Size Little Marvel ABX, what a, what a title. Issue number four, uh, we've got Journey to Star Wars. Um, number th- one, uh, I actually don't know what the actual full title is, I apologize. We got the Luke Cage Trip Headback Volume 1, Second Chances, I believe that's his 90s series. Uh, we also have new issues of Miss Marvel, Planet Hall, Quake, Shield, 50th Anniversary, Red Skull, uh, Secret Wars 2099, Siege, and there's also the Superior Iron Man Volume 2 Hardcover, Stark Contrast. And that is what came out today on the 9th of September. So thanks again for joining us for Comic Shenanigans. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess that's all you can do. Listen to us on Stitcher as well. Our next episode, episode 304, will be an interview with D.G. Chichester, uh, writer of Daredevil in the 90s, as well as uh, issue, sorry, issue, episode 306 coming out next week, so in about 9 or 10 days. Uh, we'll have another Talking Heroclix episode with myself and Nathan Strzok. So look forward to those episodes, and we'll have, I think, upcoming interview episodes as well. So it should, should be exciting. So thanks again for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.